That's a good cup of joe. If you just get up and put your nose to the grindstone at 4.30, by 9, you think, man, I got a lot done today, and most people are just finishing breakfast. You ready? You know I was born ready. Good morning and welcome back to the First Cup of Joe show brought to you by Level Up. I'm Christian here with my dad, Jeff. We've got a, a fun episode, a hot cup of coffee, and a return guest with us here today. Isaiah, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me back. If uh, you guys don't remember or didn't hear our previous episode, Isaiah is our director of marketing here at Level Up Courses. So anything you see out on the internet or social media, Isaiah has made sure we didn't have any typos make sure it all looks good <laughs> well i try my best sometimes they slip through so isaiah works for theater full-time and we've got some theater questions for you segment one here we're gonna here's the question we can branch off if we need sure how are you re-engaging theater goers be after being shut down due to the due to the pandemic you know a lot of theaters had shows opening at least where i was from had shows that were supposed to open the day or the week that we went into lockdown or like the stay at home orders. So really that first four months was a scramble trying to figure out what do we do? Yeah. Is this thing going to last two weeks? Yeah. Is this going to last two months, two years, <laughs> two years now <laughs> forever. Yeah. <laughs> So a lot of that was just kind of like, I don't know what's happening. We don't know what's happening. Uh, one, you know, about four months in, it was like, okay, this looks like it's going to be going on for a little while longer. What can we do right now to continue engaging patrons? Because when we don't have shows going on, that means that we don't have ticket sales as revenue coming in. Yeah. And what we can rely on or hope that we can rely on is donations to sustain us in the meantime while we don't have shows going on. So a lot of it was donor focused in the beginning, um, just trying trying to get some money through the door to continue operating. And then once that kind of got established, then it moved on to what digital programming can we do? So really, even though shows haven't been happening in person for the last two years, there has been a large number of online content happening throughout the country that has been trying to fill that theater gap it's not the same yeah <laughs> as an in-person performance and it never will be like obviously like there are movies and there are theater live theater performances and they both are successful for different reasons and i think you don't capture the magic of a live stage performance on film yeah there have been many valiant efforts and i think it has been a good interim way to experience theater but getting back into it i think is really important so now you are now you're ready to actually have theater productions again right you're starting in january yep so you had a huge group of people mm -hmm. who followed the theater yep then only a small handful probably donated during your for the donations for the last couple of years or watched online Mm -hmm. So now you have a massive group of people, your your customer base, that you almost have to give back in a way. 
How do you, and they may just naturally come back because they're going to be excited, but how do you, how do you re-engage with those people that haven't been following uh, from a donation standpoint? I think a lot of it is show choice, you know, going with a more well-known title does a lot of advertising just Hmm. naturally because it's a known quantity and people know what they can expect from it and they know if they like it or not, like from the get go. Um, And aside from that, you know, a lot of it is just communicating well with the previous patron base. Sure. Cause you know, we we're, we're able to communicate with them through many different mediums. So really it's just about trying to get ourselves back into that marketing mind frame, really. Cause it's been two years that we haven't marketed a show. Yeah. So you kind of lose some of what you knew how to do just, you know, all the time. Yeah. So it's, it's just getting back into the groove of talking and, Making the sale sound, making the show sound fun. Yeah. So Christian kind of talked about that. I mean, do you think that? Do you think people are going to come back? Yeah. Oh yeah. Good. I would. I like going to theaters. Yeah, I think it's exciting. I mean, you 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 talked a little bit about the attempts at uh, going taking content online. Um, you know, when the pandemic first hit, I was doing some volunteer work, working with some kids and would go meet with them every week and in person and the pandemic hit. And I, even though really didn't know much about videoing, put, started putting that stuff on video and it just kind of like you said, it, there's just no way it's the same. Yeah. I, I know that there are a lot of people who don't like theater or who don't appreciate it, but I think it is unlike any other art form. Like you can go to the movies and I love going to the movies, but you don't get that same personal connection when there is someone actually on stage performing in front of you. And it's such an ethereal experience. It's like that performance is only going to happen once. Yeah. And even if there are multiple performances of the same show, it's really never this like truly the same from night to night. Yeah. So, you you're in this this darkened theater sitting by who knows you know thousands of people and you all get to experience this one show this one time and i think there's something really special about that yeah it's going to be exciting there's like a lot of different things to kind of get back to whatever normal is and in theater definitely is is one of those things that'll be fun to get back to being able to see the performances cuz i do appreciate what you say that it's kind of magical to go watch it in person and you can uh, sometimes see when the actors make mistakes and, and you, you just know, you know, like you talk about the movies, you know, it's like, Oh, you make a mistake. We'll cut. We'll just refilm it. Yep. And you don't get any redos in the theater. <laughs> and so having gone to the theater, some, you know, I don't think even look at that as a bad thing. Oh, no. it, it just makes it part of the experience. You kind of chuckle and you know, that, well, I'm glad I'm not the one up there trying to be the actor because I probably make a ton of mistakes. And, and um, it's fun seeing really great actors mm-hmm. make a mistake and just power through it. Mm-hmm. And I've seen actors make some really bad mistakes. 
and the and the good ones just power through it and and at the end of the night even though you know they made a mistake and it goofed it up it was still a great experience <laughs> yeah yeah one at one of the old theaters that i used to work for i heard a story about one of their performances where an actor got sick and they were a smaller theater so they didn't have understudies or swings or a backup performer who could take the main actor's place so one of the staff members just got a script found a costume from the costume shop and he went on stage for the performance and was just reading the lines from the script and trying to follow the blocking notes that he had and the audience just like went with it yeah because <laughs> you know i think that is part of that live experience that even though they weren't getting necessarily the same performance that they were meant to there is kind of just that spirit of camaraderie like we're all in this together and even though this isn't what I was expecting, we can still have a fun time and enjoy the show. Yeah, and I think people empathize with that person. Yeah. Because you're sitting there thinking, oh, I'm glad I'm sitting here and not <laughs> having to be that guy. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe some people get uptight and are disgusted about it, but I just, I can see where I'd engage with that because you can relate to life happens. The, the actors are making the best of the situation. Yeah. And, and you get to be there and be a part of it. Yeah. And I think in instances where if there is an audience member who's upset, that's a great opportunity to provide great service to that patron. Because, you know, what they're coming, what they're seeing is not what they expected or paid for. So this is an opportunity to say, I'm so sorry. We would love to reschedule you if you would like to come back and see the performance with all of the original actors. Yeah. So, you know, there are, there are opportunities to really engage with your patron base in a meaningful way that builds a greater connection and trust with them yeah which in turn makes them most often typically view the theater in a better light and they will tell their friends and they'll keep coming back and they'll donate and they'll spend their money so huh. yeah it's know, really it's about that cyclical. you know yeah how, how do you take a bad situation and turn it into ultimately a great customer experience very good. Well, we're happy you're back to the theater. We're we're gonna we're gonna talk to Isaiah here about his forced sabbatical from the theater a little bit later. But we're happy you're back because that's what you like to do. Me too. It's so much better. <laughs> <laughs> Top three favorite things about working in the theater business. Go fast Go. as you can. As fast <laughs> as I can. No, no. I get to meet new people. It's an opportunity to connect. And uh, it makes me smile. There you go. <laughs> All right, that's a wrap on segment two. <laughs> that's that's, uh, not, that's yeah, not long yeah. enough for a segment. <laughs> What's your number one? I think I said it makes me smile. That was, that was your number three. Oh, my number three. Uh, Connected. I get to meet new people. Yeah. Uh, so I'm a communications and marketing communication and marketing manager. So what I mostly do right now is uh, manage our email program and and project manage our playbill. So that little booklet that you get when you come to the theater that has all of the actor bios and background information and all that sorts of stuff. And Throughout the many number of years that I have been a communications manager, I really have had an opportunity to connect with a lot of different actors who are both 
local to Seattle where I live and also actors who work nationwide and have come in to do just a show. And I'm, I'm a kind of person who likes to know a lot of people and it's good. Not, not necessarily. I'm, I'm not necessarily the guy that's, I know a guy, but (laughs) (laughs) that's me. I know a guy. I know a guy. I, I like to be able to go places and point out all the people that I know and walk up and say hi and, you know, build build relationships with them because i think that's one of that's a boon to me like i i have just stepped into this new role at a new theater and we're working on our first show and in the cast i've already worked with 15 of them so i already have a rep i already have a reputation we already have a camaraderie we already know how to work with each other so it's really easy for me to just you know shoot them an email and say hey can you get this to me yeah. As opposed to someone who, you know, you don't have a working connection with and it's more of just kind of like kind of a cold call email. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what Laurel was talking about. Yeah. Of. Um and beyond that, you know, it's it's just it's it's really fascinating to be able to meet all these different people who have different life experiences and backgrounds and ways of doing life that I otherwise wouldn't get get the opportunity to know. Certainly. That was one of my favorite things. When I got to study in Spain was just to see people live a completely different lifestyle than what I was used to in a tiny town in Minnesota in the USA. Yeah. Uh, I think even the life that I have right now is drastically different than yes. where we grew <laughs> up. Right. Because... In my free time, what I like to do is go see shows. I have a, a Word document on my laptop that I update with the the shows that I see every year. Yeah. And I have steadily been increasing. And I think in 2019, I think, was the last time that I like really kept track because there were no shows really that went on for the last two years. <laughs> right. But I, I think I was up to like almost 80 shows that I had seen in the year. In a year? Yeah. Like theater shows? Yeah. Different theater shows. Yeah. 80? Yeah. And some, oh. of, some of them I had seen multiple times, and I didn't count them multiple times, but 80 That's different shows. Yeah. Which is what I, I, it's what I like to do, you know? Like good. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, where, where I live, I think possible, but more, definitely more difficult. Yeah. That'd be pretty hard. You know, the, the drive probably to get to where there really is some volume of theater is a, at least an hour and a half away. So. You'd have to go to the local high school production. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. See, and I can hop in my car and be at a theater in five minutes, or I can hop on the bus and be at three different theaters in half an hour. Yeah. So, yeah, so, oh, well, yeah, so that's great. You know, yeah, that's for cool. your thing you're passionate about, you know, you definitely got yourself in a spot where you can take advantage of that that's great yeah 80 shows yeah i'm impressed i'm impressed with myself if i get to one <laughs> i well, like going i just yep and you i i think of, of things you've told me over the years about just the connections you've made that to me sound like they're kind of fun is i remember you talking about the one of the television station weather people the lady that was the a weather reporter that you i think built a pretty good relationship with and yep so, you know, I, you know, I think that was pretty neat. And I know 
I just saw her at a show a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think too, you shared, I know you shared with me, you had the opportunity to uh, do some film filming, promotional filming with uh, uh, one of the baseball players from the Seattle Mariners team at the, oh, yeah. at the baseball stadium. And so I always just kind of think I, I, I have fun hearing about some of those kind of touches with celebrities that you get to have. Yes. They're, they're kind of fun just to be able to kind of interact with local celebrities and yeah kind of play in that sphere it, it's it's wild to me the opportunities that i've had to do supervised media appearance appearances like outside of the actual theater like going to the news station or yeah. to do the morning weather or to go to the uh mariners to to film it's you never know where the theater is going to take you yeah that's pretty cool that's, that's exciting <laughs> any other uh any, what else is on your list there? Uh, an opportunity to connect. And I think that that's more about the going to the theater experience. Um, just that, that opportunity to be around different people. Which it kind of sounds weird when I say it out loud. Because you're around people all the time. Um but yeah, I think similar to sports, sadly to use a sports metaphor, kind of, <laughs> uh, you know, you, you're, you're there cheering for a team and, you know, you're with your section and everyone kind of really gets into it. And I think similarly, the same thing happens in the theater, albeit you're much quieter because it's rude to be loud <laughs> in the theater. Right. But, you know, you're all there. You're all enraptured with the performance you're clapping when you feel like someone does really well you're given a standing ovation when you feel like the performance has been outstanding it's really kind of like this opportunity to come together around this really great art form that we get to experience yeah anything yeah. else to add i think now so when i first started i worked at a theater that mostly did straight plays so that means that it's there's not it's not a musical so they're not singing and dancing so it's just dialogue and words. Um, and we would do one musical a year. And then I moved to a theater that did mostly musicals and one straight play. And now I'm at a theater that does just musicals. And I think there's such a different energy between those two different types of theater that you can go see. Um, I just, uh, For musicals, I just find myself smiling a lot. I also know a lot of the songs for the musicals, so I... And one of those people that will sometimes not sing out loud, but I definitely sing along in my head. <laughs> I still no, can't believe you've been to 80 shows. I know that's just in that one year. Yeah, just in that one year. And you know, just listening to you talk, I mean, I can tell, you know, just your passion for what, what you what you get to do every day comes through. And we're gonna in the next segment talk about uh, kind of your your experience when when the pandemic forced you out of the theater business for a short time, but, you know, I, I just, uh, like, I think how the theater does make you smile and, and, uh, people that go to 80 theater shows in one year certainly are happy about the theater. Oh yeah. Okay. Isaiah. Yes. Pandemic forced you out of the theater. It did. You went to a warehouse Yes. <laughs> what leadership lessons did you learn at your time at the warehouse? 
Oh, wow. Yeah, maybe you could even start before that. I mean, what, you know, tell us a little bit about kind of generally what, what did you do there? So I got laid off from my theater job in June of 2020. And then I was unemployed for about four months, which went by in the blink of an eye. And I was running out of money and <laughs> didn't want to move home. Yeah. <laughs> didn't want to be one of those late 20s people who had to move living, home during the pandemic. Living in your parents' basement. <laughs> yeah. It would not have been great. I mean, I'm, we would have had a good time most of the time, but I would have been a little miserable, I think. Yeah. And, you know, I just started applying for random jobs because they're obviously no one was hiring in the theater at that point. Yeah. Um, so I had applied at Costco for any open position. And I want there were like three locations that were close to me and I had applied at those specific locations. About a month later, I got a call for a position at not one of the three locations that I had originally chosen, but at a location that was further away um, for a forklift operator job. And I said, sure. Got to pay the rent. <laughs> I need to pay my rent. <laughs> and it was wild. Uh, the first two weeks, I really felt like I was drowning. We were in a tiny little warehouse and we didn't have an official we had a we had a shift lead but there was no supervisor no manager because we were working the graveyard shift so we were there 6 p.m to schedule 2 30 a.m but really we were there until four or five at that time because when i got hired it was november so we were heading into thanksgiving and then right into christmas and that's one of the busiest times for deliveries so no on basically no on-site formal leadership correct yeah um we were in that old warehouse for about three weeks and then we actually moved into a, a new bigger warehouse mm, right before the beginning of december right around there and with this new warehouse came new management which ended up being a really great thing uh our direct supervisor for our shift he was really great he had been um, in the army, I believe, and it had leadership positions in the army and he was a scheduler and really, you know, coming out of the army, you do things matter of fact, you follow the rules, all that sort of stuff. So he really brought a lot of, uh, focus to the warehouse, whereas that had not been a quality that I observed in the warehouse prior to that. Yeah. And even he, he, he was great. And yet there were still leadership qualities that were lacking throughout the warehouse. When I, he started about, I don't know, four or five weeks after me. And as my direct supervisor, he was doing the 30 day review and the 90 day review. That was like, we're going to check in and at 90 days you're either like officially like hired you know out of that trial period or you're like out the door out the door <laughs> and at my 30-day review 
he was surprised that I had only been there for such a short time because in that time, I had become the person that people went to with their questions on the night shift, huh. which is insane because I was still trying to figure it out myself. <laughs> so you're like the de facto leader. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I was one of them, which is crazy because there were, there were three people that had been there before me and everyone else on the night shift was hired either at the same time as me or a little bit after me. So the majority of us were new and all trying to learn this job that was just crazy. And I think because we didn't have that formal leadership in the beginning, it was kind of just a, you're going to get shoved in and we're going to kind of tell you what to do. We're going to train you a little bit, but then we also have our own things that we need to get done. So you're kind of on your own a little bit. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> so I think what, what is one of my skills is that I am quite an observant person and I just watch people, you know, as I'm walking around. Cause I wasn't, uh, I wasn't, uh, officially trained for the forklift at that time. So I was just walking around with a hand truck carrying TVs and Christmas trees and, uh, mattresses and boxes, which are very heavy. So, <laughs> Carry them with another person if you can. Uh, but, you know, I would just be watching, like, as they were unloading trailers, like, did they need another person to come in and help offload mattresses? Do they need someone to be marking boxes as they came off? What what really does this job encompass? Because it's not something that you can learn overnight. Because yeah. there's just too many different roles that need to be filled in in that warehouse. And I was one of the bigger guys that was hired. And... Naturally, that just meant that I was carrying more of the heavy stuff. Um, so I was always just kind of on the lookout for like, where, where am I best, where am I needed the most? And oftentimes that was moving mattresses off the trailers or just moving other things around. So really trying to be observant and picking up the little skills that I could to help myself. But then that ended up helping a lot of other people. Yeah. So it was just a lot of trial and error on my part to figure out what worked best in the warehouse to, for us to accomplish a job in like the quickest amount of time as possible. So would people actually come to you and say, what should I do? Yes. Really? After four weeks? Yes. After me being there for four weeks? Yes. Because there was nobody else for him to go to. I mean, we had a shift lead, so really they should be going to her. Yeah. But they did not. That's kind of telling. <laughs> I was going to say. Kind of telling that, you know, the, that they came to you. So apparently they must have thought that you knew what you were doing more than the shift lead. Maybe. I, I think a little bit of that was just personality. I think I tend to be a more approachable person than others. Yeah. Our shift lead, she was great. We got along. Um she knew a lot about the job because she had been there for many years and had many roles within that company. Um, and I kind of think it just part of her being there so long and in that old warehouse space that was not great just led to, to being a little overworked and tired of the job. Okay. So I, I you know, I think having that fresh blood come in, cause I think that, that, that was the first time that they had hired new employees in a while, at least, this amount of new employees. Um, 
really injected some fresh energy and I think renewed, I don't want to say interest because I wasn't necessarily interested in being there. I was looking at <laughs> the paycheck. Right. But, but you had an attitude of the job needs to get done and you're going to step up and get it done. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so, in turn, other people came to you to also get the job done. Yes. Kind of Laurel talked about a similar situation. Yeah, and uh, one of our other podcasts. Yeah. Like, you know, just while you were going through that experience, you know, just knowing and talking to you, I don't remember specifics. I want to see if you remember specifics, but I, I just remember you telling me multiple times about how leadership really was, I'd say, either absent or... One of the things we like, Isaiah, at Level Up is to talk about toxic leaders. And I'm not sure I ever remember you're really talking about necessarily toxic leaders. Mm -hmm. But there were things that just were like, there's leadership that's lacking here. And so can, can you recall what were some of the things that stuck out to you where they're just like, or is there's this absence of leadership? I, th I think there was a big disconnect because we were the night shift and there were no building managers like we obviously had a supervisor um who joined us when we were at the new building but there's a, just such a big disconnect because we were working at such a different time yeah as the normal nine to five so you know obviously the building manager wasn't there but even like area manager regional manager other management at the company wasn't there when we were sure and they didn't leave you a direction on what to do no I mean, they would come in during the day and they would say, uh, this shift isn't doing X, Y, and Z. You need to be doing it this way, one, two, three. But in reality, they're not there when we are. Yeah. And they don't know how we work. Because when, after like two months, we were a great team. Like we really were a well-oiled machine. Um, so everyone kind of knew what they were doing. And we were able to get stuff done really fast um, and efficiently and well. But part of being the night shift also meant that we were, when we would come in, we were just kind of like given the leftovers from what wasn't accomplished during the day. Uh -huh. So some days we would come in and how it worked was there would be items that were already at the warehouse. And some of those items would be going out on a truck the next day. Then there would also be trailers that would be delivered to the warehouse that night that would be unloaded and items from those new trailers would either be going out the next day on trucks or they would be put into stock to go out at a different time. So we would first pull all the inventory that was already at the warehouse out to give us more room for stock that was coming in later, but that wasn't always done when ah. we would come in and that would drastically change how the night went because it was either everything was pulled and we just had to put it by doors and that would take an hour, hour and a half, depending on how much stuff there was or nothing was pulled and it would take two, two and a half hours to pull everything out and then put it into lanes by the doors to go out the next day. So little things like that drastically changed how late we were there that night. Yeah. And some, some days, I think this was probably my biggest pet peeve while I was there was in an eight hour shift. If we had six trailers, we would get them unloaded. We would do check off. So double checking that things were in the correct lanes to go out the next day at the end of our shift. 
and we would be done by 2.30. But if we had seven trailers come in, or eight, or nine, there was no way we were going to be done on time. Yeah. Or some nights we would have two trailers, so we would be done by 10. So oh. it was very inconsistent in terms of how many trailers we were getting per night. And I think what could make that process better is if there were always six trailers hmm. or there was the same number of trailers every night, or there was more of a balance so that we weren't leaving at 11 PM when we had two trailers or leaving at 5 AM when we had nine. Yeah. So it is just very inconsistent. So what, from a leadership standpoint, would you have liked to have seen what, what one thing would have made the most difference besides rescheduling trailers? That's a great question. Uh, I feel like I've been out of that job long enough now that I've just repressed all those memories. <laughs> to me, it, I mean, when I hear you talk about it, it almost sounds like you solved a big problem, you personally, and not that you maybe even knew you did or were intending to, but people needed a go-to person that they could rely on for direction. Because they didn't know where to go. They didn't know what direction for their individual job. They didn't they didn't have any direction. Yeah. I in thinking about it, I feel like what would have helped the most is that there were three different shifts when I first started. There was a five AM to one thirty PM, a noon to eight thirty, and then my shift, which was six PM to two thirty AM. And there was a really big divide in my shift is doing everything correctly and the other shifts aren't doing their jobs. So we're left with what's what they haven't done. And I think that created a big morale problem. Mm -hmm. And especially because there were so many new people getting hired. There was also, I think, a disconnect between the old employees and the new employees in terms of we have all this knowledge and the other people, the new ones, don't have knowledge. And we're also now in a new warehouse. So there are new rules on how to do things. So the old employees are set in their old ways and are trying to adjust or not adjust to the new ways of doing things. And the new employees don't know anything else except the new rules. Ah. So I, th I think ultimately they did end up changing the schedule so that there was no more overnight shift, at least when I left, that is how it was. And I, th I think once all those shifts started overlapping more, there was a little bit more um, meshing in terms of we kind of now more understand how the other shifts operate, but even that was not a great experience. So <laughs> I think, I think there were a lot of opportunities to lead better at that specific location. Yeah. It's a, it's a interesting story of, you know, real life scenario that I'm sure happens a lot. I'm, I'm glad to be out of it. <laughs> Maybe not glad you had the experience, but you certainly learned something from it. No, got a paycheck. <laughs> I mean, yes, I got the paycheck. I think when I got laid off, one of my coworkers who also was laid off at the same time as me, we were talking about, look, we were discussing being laid off. And one of the things that I told her was that I wasn't sure if I would ever work in theater again, just, you know, not knowing what was going to happen with the pandemic. Because 
all these nonprofit theaters were closing or, you know, scaling back what they did. So who knows, even when the pandemic does end, would any of them actually come back just yeah. because they were having to rely on donations? So many other people were also out of jobs. So, you know, it was financially, who knows what's going to happen. And she said that if, if theater does come back and if I do this, find something else and I find that I'm missing theater, I can always go back to it. So I think even though I had to find something else to do, it made me appreciate what I had more. And then when this opportunity for this new job that I did end up getting came along, I was really excited about it. Yeah. And I think being excited about it and knowing that it was something that I was good at doing made the application and interview process less nerve wracking than I think I normally am when I'm applying or getting a new job. Ultimately, is it what I, is it what I would have liked to have done? No, but I think life is filled with experiences and moments like that, that make you appreciate the parts that you like more. That's, that's pretty wise words. Yeah. I think we probably ended on that. <laughs> yeah, that was, that's a good way to wrap up this uh, segment. Thanks for joining us on the first cup of Joe show brought to you by level up courses. If you enjoyed the show today, be sure to rate us five stars on Spotify or iTunes, leave us a review and share with a friend. When you're ready to level up your leadership skills, go to mem3.levelupcourses.co and use our promo code first cup of Joe to get 25% off our leadership course. I'm Christian here with my dad, Jeff. Keep your mornings early, your coffee cup full, and keep leveling up. <laughs>